Welcome to Love's Last Call with Evangelist Carol Ann of Agape Light Ministries. Please open your hearts to hear an anointed message that will encourage and empower you to walk in the love and light of God's Word. Beloved, in part six of The Stage is Being Set, we are going to continue in our synopsis of Roman Catholicism. As the religious harlot who is described in Revelation chapter 17 and verses 1 to 5. In our last episode, I shared a chapter from Dave Hunt's book, A Woman Rides the Beast. And as we move on in the study, I will be offering additional confirmation to the identity of this religious harlot from other valuable resources. But before I do, allow me to read Revelation 17, 1 to 5 to you again. And one of the seven angels, who had the seven bowls, came and spoke with me, saying, Come here, I shall show you the judgment of the great harlot, who sits on many waters, with whom the kings of the earth committed acts of immorality. And those who dwell on the earth were made drunk with the wine of her immorality. And he carried me in the spirit into a wilderness, and I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast, full of blasphemous names, having seven heads and ten horns. And the woman was clothed in purple and scarlet, and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls, having in her hand a gold cup, full of abominations and of the unclean things of her immorality. And upon her forehead a name was written, A Mystery. Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and of the abominations of the earth. In a way of life commentary, they offer credible evidence that Roman Catholicism, upon which the papacy is enthroned, is the harlot of Revelation 17, and that she and her many children, which include every false way and organization that has been raised up by Lucifer, the god of this world, will comprise the one-world religion through such efforts as ecumenism and the interfaith movement. They write, when Dave Hunt published A Woman Rides the Beast in 1994, that identifies the religious harlot of Revelation 17 with Roman Catholicism. It created quite a controversy. Hunt's book was blacklisted by many Christian bookstores and denounced by some key evangelical leaders and ministries including the Christian Research Institute. On the Bible Answer Man radio broadcast, Hank Hanegraaff claimed that it is ludicrous to identify the Roman Catholic Church as the whore of Revelation 17. And yet, for a thousand years and more, Baptists, Protestants, and fundamentalists have identified Rome with a harlot of Revelation. Just a few examples are as follows. In the 11th century, Beringer of Tours, a French theologian, denounced Rome's dogmas and maintained that the Roman Church was the see of Satan. The Waldensians, throughout most of their long history, stated, Antichrist, the predicted murderer of the saints, hath already appeared in his true character, seated monarchically in the seven-hilled city, end quote. In 12,006, at the Conference of Montreal, the Albigenses made the following confession that 
The Church of Rome was not the spouse of Christ, but the Church of Confusion, drunk with the blood of the martyrs, and that the politity of the Church of Rome was neither good nor holy, nor established by Jesus Christ. End quote. The Bohemian Brethren held the following beliefs as well, according to the Roman Inquisitor. This description uses material from the 13th century where they quote, The first error, saith he, is that the Church of Rome is not the Church of Jesus Christ, but an assembly of wicked men, and the whore that sits upon the beast in the Revelation, end quote. Many of the early Protestant Bibles contained dramatic woodcuttings portraying the scarlet woman of Revelation 17 and plainly identifying the Roman Catholic Church with its apostate religious system. The 1560 Geneva Bible is an example. The notes on Revelation say that the beast signifies an ancient Rome, the woman that sits thereon the new Rome, which is the papistry, whose cruelty and bloodshedding is declared by scarlet, and full of idolatries, superstitions, and contempt for the true God, end quote. These examples could be multiplied almost endlessly. We have no doubt that the Roman Catholic Church is the partial fulfillment of the prophecy in Revelation 17 of a one-world religious harlot. This is not to say that Revelation 17 is entirely fulfilled by Roman Catholicism. The prophecy will not be finished until the reign of the Antichrist, and Rome will be joined by a conglomeration of other apostate churches and organizations, the end result, no doubt, of the ecumenical movement. The religious harlot of Revelation 17 is aligned with the Antichrist, and, like the Antichrist, she has two aspects, historic along with the present and prophetic. In 1 John 2.18, we read, Little children, it is the last hour, and, just as you heard that Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have arisen. From this we know that it is the last hour. Thus, there are two aspects to the Antichrist. There is the Antichrist, singular, who will rise in the future and will rule the world for a short interval during the tribulation period. And there are Antichrist, plural, that have been in the world since the beginning of the church age and before. Likewise, the harlot of Revelation 17 has two aspects as well. There is a sense in which she has existed throughout the church age and there is also a sense in which she will arise during the tribulation period in her full power and persuasion. It is an amazing fact that every feature of the religious harlot is found in the Roman Catholic Church. She has ridden through church history upon the back of kings, is clothed in gorgeous robes and decked in expensive attire. She sits on seven hills, is full of abominations, and has a golden cup. She is certainly drunk with the blood of the martyrs, and the inhabitants of the world are indeed drunk with the wine of her fornication. Countless multitudes of deceived people from practically every nation blindly follow Rome's errors and glory in Rome's false religion. It is also interesting that even Rome herself has understood her fulfillment of this prophecy. 
In 1825, Pope Leo XII struck a medal, bearing on the one side his own image, and on the other that of the Church of Rome, symbolized as a woman, holding in her left hand a cross, and in her right hand a cup, with these words written in a circle around her, Sedate Super Universum, which is translated, The Whole World is Her Seat. Following are some other ways that the harlot of Revelation 17 is identified with Rome. 1. Her location identifies her with Rome. In Revelation 17.9, the angel says to John, The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sits. John pictures the great harlot sitting upon seven mountains, which most Protestants of old and fundamentalists of the present identify as the city of Rome. J. Vernon McGee, in his teaching on Revelation, conveyed that the woman is a city, and the city is Rome, the religious capital of the world. Rome was the city set on seven hills and was known as such to both pagan and Christian writers. Ovid, who was a Roman poet during the reign of Augustus, said, Rome looks around on the whole globe from her seven mountains, the seat of empire and abode of the gods. She is religious Rome, which at that time will have inherited all the religions of the world. It will attain the goal of the present-day apostates of all the great systems of the world. Romanism, Protestantism, pagan religions, cults, and isms. End quote. Two, her character identifies her with Rome. In Revelation 17.1, she is referred to as the great harlot. This is certainly true of Rome, both spiritually and literally. From her inception, the Roman Church has committed spiritual whoredom with the pagan rulers and demonic powers of this world. She gleefully joined hands with Constantine of old, and she has disobediently affiliated with pagan governments ever since. The Roman Catholic Church has also been associated with immorality in a more literal sense. Even her own history books describe the unspeakably vile deeds of her holy and infallible popes, even though they rarely give the whole story. Martin Luther visited Rome, expecting to find the headquarters for holiness. But after the visit, he testified, If there be a hell, Rome is built over it. Following is just a short list of the many examples documented. Pope John Twelfth, who reigned as pontiff from 955 to 963, is described by the Catholic Encyclopedia as a coarse, immoral man, whose life was such that the Lateran Palace was spoken of as a brothel. Pope Benedict IX, who reigned as pontiff from 1031 to 1045, was a murderer and an adulterer. The Catholic Encyclopedia admits that he lived a dissolute life. Pope Pius II, who reigned from 1458 to 1464, had two illegitimate children. Pope Sixtus IV, who reigned as pontiff from 1471 to 1484, erected a house of prostitution in Rome. Pope Innocent VIII, who reigned as pontiff from 1484 to 1492, had at least two illegitimate children that he raised to positions of authority and wealth within the Catholic Church. 
Pope Alexander VI, who reigned as pontiff from 1492 to 1503, had at least four illegitimate children, and he made them rich through appointments in the Catholic Church. He made his son Caesar Borgia a cardinal when he was only 18 years old. Caesar was an immoral and violent man who had his brother put to death, as well as his sister's husband. Pope Alexander held unspeakable orgies in his palace and kept mistresses who were married women. Not surprisingly, he died of syphilis. Pope Julius II, who reigned as pontiff from 1503 to 1513, had at least three illegitimate children. Rome's priests have also been immoral. They have taken vows of celibacy, but many have not been celibate. In the priest, the woman, and the confessional, Charles Chinoqui, a former priest, documented the moral vileness associated with Rome's practice of confession. And that is only the tip of the iceberg. In our next episode, we will pick up where we left off today with our coverage of the one world religion and the harlot who rides the beast and the eternal life or death truth that it holds. Until then, I leave you with Revelation 18.4. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, that you may not participate in her sins, and that you may not receive of her plagues. And, as always, beloved, I bid you his agape. You've been listening to Love's Last Call with Evangelist Carol Ann of Agape Light Ministries. If you have a prayer request, please contact us at Agape Light Ministries, P.O. Box 6313, Chesterfield, Missouri, 63006, or via our website at www.agapelightministries.com. Again, that's www.agapelightministries.com.